1: for woodworkers by woodworkers now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking mark matt and shannon
2: all right it's episode number 208 for december 8th 2014 On today's show, we're talking about fine-tuning tapered plugs, suggestions for avoiding slippery surfaces on step stools, and attaching a tabletop to its base. All that and more coming up, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. First up, we've got Harrys.com. Go to Harrys.com and get $5 off the limited edition Winter Winston set with the code WOODTALKHOLIDAY. Uh, All new and existing customers will get $5 off their purchase with coupon code WOODTALKHOLIDAY. That's Harrys.com, H A R R Y S. -S 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 .com and enter that code woodtalkholiday it's all one word at checkout
3: you know some tools stand apart the most when they're working all together explore a full system designed to deliver more precise results at festoolusa.com There, yeah, there you go that's the first time I think we've gotten through it without major issue. That's why, me. I that's wanted why Shannon help. wanted to mess it up.
2: <laughs> nice. And we also want to thank a couple of special donors, uh, Martin Green, Bill Levering, and Rudy Fichtenbaum. Thank you so Hi. much, all you guys, for uh, donating to the cause. We appreciate your support. And if you want to help out too, you can. Just go to woodtalkshow.com, look on that left-hand side for those donation links, and you can help us out. We certainly appreciate it. So, gentlemen, let's get to what's on the bench. I'm going to make this really short and sweet. Not a whole lot for me. I've no, been, <laughs> surprise. Right? I've been doing some editing. We closed up the Woodworkers Fighting Cancer campaign and got the little uh, summary video up there uh, explaining how much we made and how many uh, of these little uh, toy boxes were built. It was great. Uh, but I've been focusing a lot on editing and not a not a whole lot of shop time. So it's, it's that kind of time of year, you know? We, we kind of lay off a little bit this time of year. So um, I wonder if you guys have anything more going on than me. What about you, Shannon?
0: I am. Remember last week I told you I was trying to uh, get this table done before Christmas Mm -hmm. and I'm actually doing all right. I got in typical fashion, got like less than half of what I had actually planned to do this weekend done, but I still made good strides. I've got uh, four legs and an apron, so (laughs) nothing else. I could just. Go buy some glass, <laughs> put it on top, <laughs> and it will be done. There you go. So, yeah, I think, I think based on time I've got left till Christmas, obviously the, the thing that always gets me is like getting the finish on and getting it actually dry um, beforehand. But mm-hmm. I think if I can get the tabletop done this weekend, I've got, you know, at least, what, two weeks to get finish fully cured. And- Plenty of time. Yeah, no problem. Or, so, or so what's going to happen is I'm going to be like, I got plenty of time. And then I'll realize, oh, man, it's the 22nd. I got to get that finish on. <laughs> no, what, <laughs> that's when the lacquer do, comes out. I was just going to say, you want to borrow my
3: HVLP system? What do you, what do you need there? <laughs> Two wait, days. What you, that's you, need all you need to do is just give them the can of finish and be like, here, I wanted to give you part of the gift of participating in the creation. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: right. Well, the, the real issue is going to be there are several... Things, lots of little things that I do need to make on my lathe. And I've been kind of putting it off and putting it off because I wanted to get the actual Barnes lathe up and running to do this stuff. And um, I just know that I'm going to still have stuff to turn because that's stuff that I literally can wait until 15 minutes before it's supposed to be due <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to make it. But the problem is the lathe produces dust. And if I've got a table sitting on the other side of the shop, I really can't do anything. So I, I've got to. Kind of budget appropriately. So, I really do need to get the finish on and curing, at least out of the shop and curing, mm-hmm. it, at least like three or four days before Christmas so that I can get busy on the lathe. Nice. Um, I've picked up a couple of little things. This is one of those things where I've had a lathe long enough that technology has moved on and they've like made advances in things like mandrels and chucks and things since I bought my first round. And I haven't really needed anything else. So, I didn't take advantage of, any of these changes. But now that I've got not only a, a different lathe, but a different Morse taper, it's a number one Morse taper instead of the number two, I've been upgrading and adding some cool little new things, which I find to be very ironic. I've got new technology in my attachments on my 1876 Barnes lathe. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good very stuff. Cool. What about you, Matt? What's up? Well, so. because of the lathe talk,
3: and I know I mentioned previously that I've been kind of like unfortunately feeding that dragon, that that monkey on my back. Uh, this past week, I had the whole entire week off, and I spent easily uh, two days just playing with the lathe. In fact, I have a project that's coming out this Friday as we're recording this, and um, I had a, a lot of fun. About it. it was one of those things that, like, once I got on there, you know, I always hated it. Let me just preface this. Let me just say this real quick. I always hate it when people say, "I just let the wood be what it wants to be." When they're talking about like carving. <laughs> and stuff like that. And I felt like <laughs> I had that moment when I was at the lathe cuz I was oh, trying nice. to figure out what the shape was going to be for these items that I was I was making and I didn't have anything particular in mind. I'm like it's cylindrical is nice. I could go that way. That would be really cool. But then once I started like moving the tools along the wood and trying to like get it to the the basic shape, suddenly things just started what if we did this? What if we came down here and made like a slight bead? What if we what if we rounded this and and suddenly as as they were wrapping up and i found myself like almost channeled i don't i don't remember all of it to be honest with you i kind of blacked out a little bit there i guess nice that's yeah, some the, experience jeez yeah well the, the wood took over and the wood said i want to be this Now get <laughs> out of the way and apparently came in through the tool into me and told me Defined its own shape. Wow. Uh, but, anyways, I, I got done with it. I was pretty happy. And I came in, I showed Samantha and a friend that was actually over, and they were so excited. They suddenly wanted me to make like 18 of them to give away to everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> so, the, that's the curse that comes with it. Yeah.
3: Unfortunately. And that's when they said, Well, how long did it take you? And before I could think, I said, oh, It only took like five minutes to make this. And they're like, <laughs> That's even better. And the I thought, I'm like, I should have said, I've been working on it all morning. What's wrong with me?
2: Well, meanwhile, you may have blacked out. It was
0: like, You've been down there for 17 hours.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. probably just had no Idea what was going
0: on. <laughs> so I remember yeah, so. the thing that used to get to me is they'd say, well, "How long did it take?" And then, "Oh, great. Well, how much does something like that cost?" Like, for instance, a you know something that uses more than than wood, like a you know, a razor, like you just made mad or a pin or something where there is some hardware. Right. And you're like, ah, oh, well, you know, the hardware is only like, you know, five, seven bucks or whatever. It's like, oh, great. You know, I'll give you 10 bucks for it. Mm-hmm. just like, wah, <laughs> 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 yeah. wah. Uh, hold on there, yeah. buddy. Well, you know, the, the funny
3: thing about it was so uh, a couple days later, we ended up running some errands. We ran out to like our, our local woodcraft store, which was another one of those funny things. I posted a picture on Facebook of me just longingly to get in there because we ended up getting to the Woodcraft about a half hour before the workers got there. So that's always fun because then you look like the weird groupie out there going, "Um, so what time do you open? Like right now, can I just come (laughs) in and help myself before anybody gets here? Is this a Black
0: Friday deal? You're like camped out front. (laughs) Exactly.
3: I'm just only a week late. Does this still count? Uh, But Samantha came in with me. And unlike the Aiden experience where I wanted to walk around and maybe have people recognize me, there just wasn't enough people. She came in with me, and we went over to the turning area, and I wanted to pick up a couple of supplies, like what you were just describing, like with pen supplies and the hardware and stuff. And suddenly I had her going, you need to get this. You need to get this. You need to make three or four of those. Look at this wood. Isn't this wood pretty? You should get that. And I'm, like, taking the wood going, uh, honey... That little uh, six-inch block that you just set there, uh, that's about $500. Let's go ahead and put that one back. (laughs)
2: Especially at at, at the prices you get at those stores generally are pretty, pretty much up there
3: yeah yeah and then trying to explain to her why it is that much and then the, the uh you know workers standing behind me going no seriously you should listen to her you should get that right now <laughs> so matt i'm wondering like i envision you when you go to these stores and you're trying
2: to get recognized that you'll just go behind an aisle somewhere and you just go kak, 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 kak. and then you look around <laughs> you go, like see anybody see me anybody know this uh, yeah, yeah you it, recognize it, that? that has
3: been known <laughs> and it's worked too <laughs> They go, oh is matt Vanderlist here i just heard a turtle my favorite one, though, you remember all those years ago when we, Mark, you and I first got together in uh, Las Vegas for yeah. the AWFS show. There was actually somebody that came running across the, the uh, one of the showrooms. It's like, I heard the laughter. <laughs> I knew you were here.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, between you and Tom Ayavino, if you're at a conference and, and one of you is there, you'll know it before you even see them.
3: And what's funny is when we see the people torn. Like, what direction should they go? Should they, they go this way when they heard the the Ayavino, or I recommend go going this way. Go away More from both. Which
0: direction should <laughs> I run? Yeah, run
2: away in the opposite direction. That'd be good. Uh,
3: yeah. Very so cool. that's that's pretty much what's been going on with me. I've been, like I said, I've been kind of feeding the turning addiction, and I'm I'm enjoying it. Although with it being colder, I've moved the lathe again out to the garage, and it is one of those things where it's, it's really, really chilly. And so now the thing I'm afraid of is that the wood is so brittle from being so cold after only a few minutes out there that it's going to fly off and hit me with like a, more like an icicle
0: kind of a thing. <laughs> Ouch. Out, so.
2: Yeah, watch that eyeball. All right. right, yeah. let's Make for a good video
0: right up there with the router incident. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we do need the,
0: uh, the yearly
2: Matt Vanderlist accident video. That's, uh, we're overdue, I think.
3: Um yeah. and it's okay if we if we <laughs> keep it this Could far. Skip away. A year? Is that all right? <laughs> you can
2: skip a year. Right.
3: All right. You know, if somebody else wants to play the part of Matt, we're fine with that. <laughs> stunt doubles.
0: There you that's go. What, that's what woodworking videos need is stunt doubles. Well, you know, I did you guys notice that I'm sure you, you
3: had to have gotten the email. Apparently our friends out there listening to the show right now love to send us pictures of their accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yes. just wanna say anybody that's gonna do this, please definitely put more of a graphic uh warning on it because uh, the last one that came in, I was actually eating when I opened it up, and I don't know why. I'm just like, oh, what do they have? Click. Oh God.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I learned early on not to share that with the public. Uh, like, I, I, to me, it's 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 an interesting warning sign, but I would share it because I just thought, like, wow, you guys need to see what kind of damage you can do. People know what you can do; they don't need to see it, you know. Right. So I I, I stop sharing that stuff. Uh, no more. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty grody.
3: Yeah, it definitely can ruin your appetite. Sure the last can. thing I want ruined is my appetite. Yes.
0: I just pretend it's ketchup. Oh, that's, well, I
3: was eating French fries one at the time.
0: Nasty looking See? hot
2: dog.
3: There you go. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so, anyways, that's what's been going on with me. So, what do we have up next here? It looks like we're moving. You got something. In the What's New area, don't you, Mark? I do. Yeah, this is sent by Chris Stahl. And,
2: you know, we don't have that much in What's New, and this is about it. Uh, It's called the Robotic Workbench. And basically, it's a motorized workbench that moves up and down via remote control. It's like totally over engineered in the most fantastic way possible. Uh, So we'll we'll uh, embed that video in the notes there for you if you want to check it out but uh, it's a fun little video just showing how the bench works and a guy came up with some really clever implements clamps and things that, uh, that are in and around this workbench uh, that you could tell he put a whole lot of blood sweat and tears and electronics into it as well and it's even battery powered so that if he doesn't have access to an outlet he can still run it and move it up and down.
3: Nice. So, are we eventually going to see a pallet wood slash Lego version of this? I hope so. I really that do. That would be
0: cool.
2: Yeah. And this is definitely one of those maker, woodworker, you know, maker meets woodworker type projects uh, that people eat up. So check that out. And, I think it's uh, more
0: of an erector set than pallet wood version. <laughs>
2: yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so I don't know uh, why we don't have much else. I guess maybe you guys got to, maybe it's a slow time of year or no one's emailing us interesting stuff. I don't know what's going on.
0: It, I, I actually attention.
2: Or, or yeah, is Matt no, slipping up it, on his job here? What's going on? It
3: has been really slow actually than the way you mentioned yeah. it. There haven't been a lot. I think it's because everybody's still in their turkey coma because as we're recording this, it's now like what officially one week. Yeah, oh, well,
2: that whole thanks – the the break between – or the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas may as well be a break. I think people are usually mentally on
3: vacation for a while. <laughs> right. so yeah, that other like, like Christmas lights. Yeah.
0: I feel like there's a Nick Offerman video that's been making the rounds that I haven't watched yet, but I know that I've seen it just in conversations, like in the background noise of Twitter and things. Oh, yes. Yeah, Several people did. mentioning something about a Nick Offerman. You get to see some of his shop and – Something yeah, like I, I remember that too, so let's
2: pretend we told people about that because <laughs> yeah. we don't have the link. Maybe we'll find the link to it, but it is something new. All right, let's go into our poll of the week from our good buddy, Tom Iovino. Last week, we asked the question about buying lumber online um, and some interesting results here. 29% said yes, that they're happy with the experience. Uh, 2%, 2% said yes, but I won't do it again. Apparently something happened that wasn't good or the selection of wood wasn't good but it's only 2% so uh, that's not too bad. 28% said no because they go to a local supplier. Uh, 4% said no because they go to the local home center which was interesting and uh, 2% said another low percentage 2% say that they saw their own wood from trees. <laughs> Lucky them that'd be nice. Uh, won't go quite that far but it's hard enough you know, just that driving. that is
0: surprisingly there. hard to do.
2: It's that I'm glad someone else does it. I'll tell you that much.
0: I've thought about that. Like, you know, wouldn't it be cool to like do a project and film it, like go and fell the tree. And it's like, do you have any idea how hard it is to find a place where you can legally go fell a tree and like haul it out of there? It's really and then, hard to and do.
2: Then you got to do the work. Uh, so the yeah. uh, other question this week if you want to go and answer this one is about batching out. It's that sort of time of year where you make multiples of projects and uh, Tom just wants to know do you generally batch out and if you do how many do you do at a time? What's the most you've ever done? So we'll put a link in there if you want to go and answer that poll question.
3: Uh, if you say one does that still count as a batch?
2: It's a batch of one I think. Yeah. <laughs>
3: it's a batch think of one. one. That, yeah. In that, that case definitely. That one. works for me. Yeah. Okay let's move into our kickback here and
2: if my scroll wheel would stop being crazy, I would find where I am. Hey, there we are. Okay, so Rudy wrote in and he said, you talked about the fine woodworking archive on one of the recent shows that was last show. Uh, I want to point out to you that each issue in the archive is stored as a PDF. I have the FW archive on my Mac. In the applications folder, when I expand the archive, there's a folder called data-fww, expand that folder and you'll find an issues folder. This folder has each issue as a separate PDF. What the archive does is allow you to search all these PDFs in an efficient way. Also, you can already, if you already own the archive, I believe you can update it for 20 bucks a year. So I wanted to read Rudy's comment because I was promising an update after last time and I found exactly what Rudy said. A couple people told me, you gotta, don't dig into the disk for the PDFs. You go after it's installed, find the folder in your applications and dig in and you'll find all of the PDFs PDFs there. Now, that said, the interface does let you save PDFs. That's what we were talking about last time. Can you print and can you produce PDFs from the uh, from the, the fine woodworking program that you get with it? And you can, but at the same time, you don't necessarily need to because you've got them all archived in numeric form if you know the issue number. Um, so depending on how you want to do it, you could print the article, you could print the full issue, you could save it as a PDF, whatever you want to do. Um, and he's absolutely right. It's a, it just gives you a great way to search all those PDFs. And I did hear that if you want the updated version, let's say next year they come up with one, you can actually get all the issues on a DVD, like you said, for about 20 bucks. And I don't know if it's on their website, but I've heard that you have to call them and you should be able to get it that way, which is a great thing. I mean, you buy, you spend this much on this thing and you want to make sure it's completely updated. And one year goes by, you missed out on a bunch of great information. It's nice to know you could just kind of add those to the pile, which is pretty cool.
3: So it turns out that there weren't issues with the issues, no issues with those issues. Nice. Cool. Awesome.:
0: I only wish that they had like <clears throat> like a cloud-type version, and I realize if you're an online member, you can access all this stuff yeah. via the website. But this type of indexable functionality that I could access from something other than my desktop um, would be kind of nice. Wait a minute, unless I'm installing it incorrectly. Explain this to me what, what 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 kind of English are you speaking, Shannon? What, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> what do you what do you need? <laughs> well, if you, you you have to install it as an app. Yeah. Correct? Okay. Yeah. And it unpacks and everything and you've got the ability to search it right there. And yes, you can pull the PDFs and I suppose save the PDFs wherever you want. So I could take a PDF and put it in my Dropbox account or in my own cloud server or whatever, but yeah. I don't have the index like searchability, the app the actual app function. Anywhere, but on the computer in which I install it. Correct. Which is, I don't know, call me you know, 21st century problems, but it's like I, I am rarely on my desktop with the exception of recording this show and doing video editing. Yeah. Everything yeah. else is I'm on a tablet or you know my phone or something like that somewhere else in the house. And I actually don't use stuff that just sits on my desktop. Hmm. I'm not yeah. sure how to solve that problem. Well, like the Find Woodworking app... For like current issues, it's awesome.
2: It's really well done. I see. So if, you want some sort of implementation that would be accessible via an, an app, essentially, on a yeah. mobile device. You know,
0: from one of my mobile devices, I just oh, think I, I consume content on one of those mobile devices. I don't consume content at a desk. Right. Anymore. Okay. Um, and, and I'm see, probably problem, in a minority there, but
3: I think the problem there, Shannon, is you just want too much.
2: You do. You're yeah. a, you're asking yeah. too much of of
3: Taunton. Lay off. Yeah, I'm I just, all about
2: giving them things to improve upon. They're just people too, man.
3: And yeah. you're also giving them a reason to avoid all your phone calls, emails, text messages, and smoke signals.
0: There you go. You mean it you mean another reason. Yes. <laughs> just yes, just, yes, just one more reason. reason. This show <laughs> the
3: whole archive of reasons why. <laughs> this show is the primary reason, by the way. <laughs> right.
2: uh, okay. So speaking of Rudy, I'm assuming Rudy the donator, Rudy the kickbacker, and Rudy the voicemailer are all the same Rudy. Ooh, he's going for the hat trick. Is yeah, he, he is. the guy that played at Notre Dame for that one game? I believe he is. Nice. And we do have a voicemail. It's, it's more of a kickback though. You remember when we were talking about the eBay advice that he had given uh, that, that was a little bit too long? So he wrote that down and read it and called in and, and gave it a more concise sort of summary. So let's take a listen. This is advice for purchasing planes and things from eBay.
4: Hey guys, this is Rudy from Iowa. Uh, here are my rules for buying tools and planes on eBay. There must be pictures showing all four sides top and bottom of the tool. If not, they're hiding something. Light rust or patina is okay, but if you see pitting in the metal, pass the tool up. Light pitting can be okay if you don't mind the work. If the tool looks promising, read the description. Sometimes the seller will tell you a problem with the tool, and then you can decide if you can fix it or move on. Check the seller's 5-star rating. If it's not at least a 98%, don't buy from them. I really prefer 99. Check the year they started eBaying. If it's the last few years, they may have created a new account to get rid of a bad rating.
0: Mm. Don't
4: buy from them or newbies. Check the number of items they have sold. The more, the better. They tend to care if they have a good star rating and have been around for a while. Another thing to look for is the number of bids. If there are a lot, it's worth taking a look at. It's more than likely a tool of value. If there aren't many bids or none at all, and it's close to the ending time, chances are it's junk. Look for planes made around World War II or before. I hope this helps. I enjoy listening to you guys. Keep it up. Later.
2: Guys, I got to tell you, this pumpkin spice coffee is delightful. (laughs) Here, I
0: thought you were going to say something about the (laughs) voicemail. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I just, uh, it's late in the day and I'm not going to have dinner for a while. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just have a cup of coffee. Help me get through the show. Uh, we're doing a back-to-back recording today. So I wanted to get some extra caffeine in my veins. And uh, this is fantastic.
3: I, will, well, you know, I should do this caffeine, every day. That's what I was, I was picking up dinner for uh, me and the boy. It's just me and the boy tonight who I'm going to ignore him for this whole time we're recording. But mm-hmm. while I was picking up dinner, uh, I noticed that the place I was getting it from had a delicious Kona Brown beer. And I was thinking... Huh that would be really good for the show because I would stay awake and I probably would be comfortable enough with my drunkenness to really say some <laughs> off the wall stuff. Just, just, just buzzed enough to be entertaining. Yes. Right. Just enough to like finally not feel that I have to hold
0: back. Yeah, not, not drunk <laughs> uncle level, but getting close. Uh, all right. Well, well let thank- me just say back to the topic at hand. Oh, okay. Well done, Rudy. Very, very concise. Yeah. Good. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I wanted him to call back. Cause it was like, that was good information. Just, pair off four minutes and send it back. That'd be perfect. Um, and, and I, you know, I haven't bought from eBay in years, but it's good to know there's some solid advice out there for people who, uh, have good experience with it. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to move into our voicemail. We actually have two of them and these are question voicemails. The first one is from Brian and he's asking about uh, brand new blades. Hey guys, uh,
1: it's Brian from Boston. Uh, just listening to this past week's wood dog episode and, um, Shannon mentioned uh, I think it might have been an emailer but about how premium planes even premium planes need to need their plans plates to be honed out of the box um, and this is as good time as any to ask I've always wondered um, and I'm not a huge hand tool guy so maybe I'll get laughed out of the room but why is that um, I feel like <laughs> if I pay a couple hundred bucks for a premium plane it should be ready to go I mean I'd almost rather they just charge me an extra 30 40 50 bucks. And it just comes honed to 8,000 grit and ready to go out of the box. Um, I don't know. I, I can see maybe having to adjust the blade or, you know, the frog or something or, or whatever to get it set up. But uh, blade seems to fall under the category of the actual tool construction or something that you would think would be ready to go. Um, you know, when I get my, join, my power joiner, I had to fine-tune it and get it all ready to go and dialed in, but the blades were already sharp. Um anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot, but uh I'd love to hear an answer.
3: Thanks. Bye.
2: All right, Shannon. You want to clarify that for him?
3: Since you're the sure. one that laughed.
0: No, that was me. Hey, <laughs> that was wasn't me. me. That was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. I did not laugh. Um <laughs> you know, it, it is interesting. I think in some respects historical precedent is that they didn't bother because the woodworker, I mean, you you have to be able to sharpen these tools if you're gonna use them, right? you know, eventually they're going to get dull. So it is on the woodworker to be able to sharpen them. So, you know, I think the manufacturers of yore just said, well, you know, we don't really need to do this because the it's up to the woodworker to do this. And, you know, a sharp blade could be made unsharp very easily, just a little drop here or there while it's being manufactured or while it's being shifted around and shipped to the distributor or any of that. There's any number of things. You have to package it differently to make sure that that finely honed edge stays finely honed. Um, So there's a lot of kind of handling stuff that gets in the way. The kind of recent renaissance with guys like Veritas and Lee Nielsen, where the really incredible thing was the amount of work that they do do to those blades. And I remember going to um, the Lee Nielsen factory a couple of years ago, and they have like a department that does nothing but prepare these b- blades and get them dead flat and sharpened. I mean, let's be honest. You can pull a Lee Nielsen or a Veritas out of the box and pull up fine wispy shavings. Um, they are sharp enough to work. Um, the issue when with, with the hone or the sharpness of these blades is not so much is it sharp, but how durable is the blade. And that's what it really comes down to. That blade has been sharpened to probably... Um, you know, 400 grit, maybe 1,000 grit or something like that. And it's sharp. I mean, a blade sharpened on 150 grit is sharp. It just is not as durable because you've got more of a ragged edge. So, you know, seeing as that the woodworkers are going to have to be able to do it anyway, they figure, why do we go to all this trouble? But it is a substantial amount of work to go from a rough, um, like freshly tempered and ground iron to a perfectly flat back that's been lapped to whatever thousand grit and a perfectly flat bevel. And the fact that Lee Nielsen, I can't speak for Lee Valley because I haven't been to their factory, but Lee Nielsen has a department where that's all these guys do is lap backs and, and, and hone it. Now, the flip side to that is if you order a, a really, really, really primo plane like Ron Breeze or uh, Scott Meek on the wooden plane side, those planes are honed to like a thousand grit and ready to go. But they're making it one at a time. You know, they, they make the plane, they hone the iron, they wrap it in a little oil cloth and they put it in its fancy little box, its individual box with, you know, a little love letter and and tape it up and send it out. You know, Lee Nielsen is making planes by the thousands, as is Veritas. And it's just that extra step that that they're not gonna do because we should be able to do that ourselves. Well, the time investment for what they've already
2: done that that saves you the time of honing, flattening, and getting that thing to that point is oh immense. My God, yeah. And the only thing left, I mean, to be realistic about it, you pull that blade out. If you want to really refine it, it's sort of that last little thing where you put your personal taste and touch on it. How much of a, you know, let's say you're going to just put a secondary bevel on it. How much of a secondary bevel, you know, and basically you're looking at a minute or two. At that point, yeah. if you've got a decent exactly. sharpening setup and you're you're confident in your sharpening, you're literally talking about the last minute or two of the process. That's just not something that they really should have to do. And you can make that decision, you know, because with that micro bevel, that secondary bevel, you can completely, depending on the plane, of course, you could you could change how that thing's going to behave. And it's kind of, to me, a courtesy to say let the woodworker decide exactly what they want to do because some of them may like you said Shannon may be perfectly happy with the sharpening level as it comes out of the box. You know? Yeah
0: well and let's be let's be real with today's cult of sharpening religion you know <clears throat> most of these guys are going to be like oh, I want it done my way you know right. I'm going to take it to that last little bit because I go to 35,000 grit and then I wipe it with a diaper you know yeah, yeah. and then there's others that eh, I just use a belt sander and, <laughs> and move right, on you right. know so I, I was always
3: under the impression, and right or wrong, that somehow this had something to do with also litigation. But that's just me.
2: <laughs> well, I think if you if you compare these premium planes to non premium planes and the condition of those blades, you'll see what you're paying for. You know, yes. and, yeah. and I don't I don't think you should feel shortchanged if that last tiny little part of the process is not done. Um, so I think maybe if he's unfamiliar with hand tools or he's new to it, um, maybe he doesn't actually have that much experience sharpening. So he's not aware of exactly how, how
0: little work there is involved. If he, if he doesn't have it nailed down yet. So, um, well, he is not in a minority. The number of people that I've, I've addressed this with are like, what do you mean? It's not sharp out of the box. Like the assumption is it's ready to work, right? Because go to DeWalt, go to, to, Porta cable, well the same company now. Any of these these modern manufacturers, you know, what do you mean? It the minute it comes out of the box, it should be it's no better than that moment, right? It's all downhill. Right, right, right. Yeah. I Um, assume. And and it's that way with with a car with with anything you buy. So that it is a very valid point. What do you mean? I've got to do more to this, especially considering I just paid three hundred and fifty dollars for the smoothing plane. Well, see, and here's it. I got to do more.
2: I started thinking about that. What other premium products are there out there where something like that is considered acceptable? Well, here's a good example. What about TVs? If anyone gets into the world of like high end home theater, high quality TVs, one of the first things you do when you unwrap that television is you go through a calibration process because the presets on there usually aren't adequate. They're usually good for a showroom, but not for your house. Uh, and that's one of those areas that it's just kind of, that's the way things are. Because you're at that higher level, you also have that higher level knowledge and sensibility to know that there are f- finer adjustments that you can make to get it exactly the way you want it. And I kind of think it's a the same angle lines. Rabbit
0: ears, just get it just right.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> little to the left, little to the left. Okay, all right. So uh, that's, I think that's good enough for that one. Let's move on to Jason's voicemail here. It's about mortise and tenon joints.
5: Hello, fellow woodworkers. I have a question about... Oh, wait. This is Jason from Chester, Connecticut. Sometimes I forget to sign my name and then I'm anonymous calling in. I have a question about mortise and tenon joints. Is the back of the mortise supposed to be the same depth as the length of the tenon? In other words, is the end grain of the tenon supposed to meet the the bottom of the mortise? Um I, I my thought is that the, the strength comes from the besides but I, I that's something I went to woodworking in America and some of the instructors talking about mortise and tenons I, it made me start to think that maybe that was something that I'm not doing I'm just making my mortises a little extra deep to make sure it fits but I'm not really trying to tailor them so that they meet in the back Um I have a second question which is uh just kind of a fun question I'm wondering if Any of you guys, and maybe you could do this as a survey, when you you buy a tool, do you feel the need to buy matching things? In other words, um, I have some Jorgensen clamps, but I like some of the features of the JET clamps. So for me, I have OCD. I want to get rid of the Jorgensen and get all JET. I don't want to have a mixture. Just curious how you guys feel about that. Anyway, uh, thank you for taking my call and uh, keep listening.
2: I think uh, Jason and I should probably have uh, a couple of (laughs) of well-organized and evenly distributed cups of coffee together.
3: You know, that's
0: easy. You're
3: going to have to wait till I turn the lights on and off uh, the right amount of time before you can enter the shop. He's speaking my
2: language, man. Uh, I'm right there with you. Just to answer your last question first, Jason, uh, that is a problem that I have. I like things to be symmetrical, I like having things the same color. There have been times where I may have gotten a tool that is not reviewed as well as another tool just because it's going to stay in the same family of brands. And it's not, I mean, if you're choosing, let's say, between Lee Valley and Lee Nielsen for a plane, you're not going to suffer either way. But if one maybe has a slightly different feature set that you like, but it doesn't match your other planes, what do you do? Well, you know, sometimes I just buy the plane that matches the ones I already have. And uh, I fully admit it. And that's just how I am. Now, do you guys suffer from the same stupid
3: ailment? No, <laughs> uh, good. Not good. nearly as severe, apparently, as the two of you. I could probably fall along the lines of if I really, really needed to, I could probably convince myself it's okay if I did something like what my wife did in high school when she wanted a pair of guest jeans but couldn't afford them. You just make the label and put them on and then try to pass <laughs> them off. that way.
2: Sweet,
0: I like that idea. I, I so can certainly, I can admit to buying a tool, um, like you just said, Veritas or Lee Nielsen. You know, you, you're kind of. It's awesome either way. Yeah, I can yeah, admit yeah. to buying Veritas because I already had Veritas. Not so much from a matchy-matchy perspective, but just, eh, I bought there last time. Might as well just do it again. But especially recently, because I've started to integrate more vintage tools into my into my kit. So, like, you open my tool cabinet, and it's it's the cornucopia of tools of different brands and makers and all that stuff. Yeah. Now I'm, I don't have that sickness.
2: Okay, now let me – how about this? You've got four chisels. Are ready and you need to get the fifth one. Projects coming up, you need a particular width of chisel, so you're in the market, you're gonna go buy one. And a friend says, uh, Hey, I've got this chisel over here, and it's a completely different brand, has a like light wood colored handle. All yours have dark wood handles. And there, are, let's say, How about this? You've got four Japanese chisels, right? And then someone gives you a Western style Lee Nielsen, but they're gonna give it to you at half price. So, what do you do? Do you get would you get the mismatched one and call it done? Or would you spend more money to get the matching one?
0: I'm o- I'm okay with the mismatch. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I was going to say, I'm looking at, I could look at the, the door of my cabinet. It's nothing but mismatched chisels. I mean, I have a bunch of Lee Nielsen's, Man. but I've got others. I can't, that are
3: but I, I do have to say though, that I will go this far though. Let's say that uh, I have, t- let's say I have three Lee Nielsen's. Um, I will make sure that those three, uh, all stay together, and perhaps I have a mismatched one that's the same size or fits somewhere in, in the middle of those those size ranges of the, of the three Lee Nielsen. Mm. The three the four shall not meet. The three will have to stay by (laughs) themselves, and the fourth will just be segregated next door to it, but not mixed into the family. I
0: can't do it. I've got- (laughs) Mark is breaking out in hives right now. I've got
2: a nice set of Japanese chisels, right? And I've got one that was my first Japanese chisel that I bought from a buddy of mine. So it's just this random, almost half inch wide uh, Japanese chisel, and it's not the same brand as the other ones. And I, I refer to that one as Little Stinker. And I let, him, I let him live in the shop. He hangs out there, but generally speaking, he's for the, just the crappiest work, like paring away some epoxy and dried glue, like dried glue and just things where I might make contact with metal accidentally. Um, so Little Stinker does get used, but
3: he is not part of the family. <laughs>
0: poor little stinker he's on the island of misfit chisels <laughs> he really is <laughs> and,
3: it, and it turns out that actually he's the king of that brand
2: <laughs> yeah yeah so it's uh it's definitely a problem i guess some of us are afflicted with it and others are not and uh, if you're not then good because if you can live with orange
0: and red clamps then you're a better man than I am or, or a woman. <laughs> what I think is funny is we'll spend three times more talking about Jason's fun throwaway question. Yeah. We haven't even addressed his
2: actual que- <laughs> Yeah, I think that his actual questions should be pretty quick. Um, So here you go. Uh, Matt, how about you go first? Do you bottom out your tendon in a mortise?
3: Uh, typically I, I, Most of the time, we'll have just a little bit of room there on the bottom. I like to say it's for where the extra glue goes to lie. Uh, Usually, it's just because I don't measure very well. But no, I have never had it where for sure, that they absolutely 100% meet perfectly. There's usually a little extra wiggle room at the bottom.
2: Yeah, same with me. I think you need to have a little bit of that room. It kind of helps equalize the pressure as you put a nice tight-fitting tenon into the mortise, and it makes it a little easier when you're milling your parts and milling the joints, because basically I know that, let's say, the mortise is exactly two inches. Well, for the tenon, I aim for about two, and if it's a little, I kind of actually aim to be just slightly under, and this way I know I'm definitely not too long and any extra space i don't really think that lends a whole lot in the way of strength but it's nice to to not have to worry about being perfect for that part of the dimension
3: and i can say without any doubt in my mind that whenever a mortise and tenon joint has failed it has nothing to do with there being that extra space at the bottom it has everything to do with maybe the tenon not being thick enough and me going if i had extra glue in that should take care of that (laughs) it has everything to do with matt forgetting to put glue in the
0: joint yeah, there's been that one too. Yes. <laughs> well, if you look at you look at any hand cut mortise, there's no way. That yeah. I'm gonna. You know, I you're mean, not getting a looks clean like bottom on dog that thing. food at the bottom <laughs> of that thing. You know, I'm right. not gonna try to smooth that out and make it exactly the same and run my router plane down in there. I'd be really curious to see where this came from. Like, I'm I want to look at the list of speakers from WIA oh, last year and yeah, see if I can his, pick out who it was. Where his
2: question came from? Yeah, well, it's definitely a hand tool focused one. You should be able to narrow it down. Or, or was it that he? Or, no, no, no. Strike that. I meant power tool. I was going to well, say. Or, or, or is it that
3: <laughs> that that he actually that that Jason is the one that is, is was thinking ahead of time that it has to match matchy match, uh, right. and then the speaker kind of blew his mind because I've had those moments of like, wait a minute, what?
0: Well, well are I, you that's true. From his voicemail, I think he's saying he leaves a little gap too, which is in direct conflict with his OCD. So hmm. Mm, hmm. maybe he's, think- it's growing. You're growing, Jason. Good for you. <laughs> you're expanding. That's good. You're not You're not
3: only leaving your name. So now we know who to attribute all anonymous voicemails to. There you go. Cool. All right. Well, I think it's probably a good time to take a little sponsor break and talk about our friends over
2: at harrys.com. Do you guys have someone on your gift list that's impossible to shop for? Like the guy who has everything. Mm. Anybody like that in your family? Just my one? dog,
0: <laughs> Alex. Alex just cuts so many toys, and
2: <laughs> he just and doesn't need fence. anything more. Uh, well, I definitely have one of those people. It's my my stepdad? He's just, you know, he's at that point in life where he's pretty content for the most part, and unless he can eat it or drink it, he's probably <laughs> not that interested in it. <laughs> And uh so Well, wait a minute, what are you doing with the hairies? Uh, he knows that this is shaving cream, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. That's not whipped cream. Uh, take it easy there, pal. Uh, so the good news is that our friends over at Harry's are here to help. Just in time for the holidays, Harry's has a limited edition Winter Winston set for only 30 bucks. This kit comes with a sleek razor handle and your choice of charcoal gray or ice blue. And as usual, it comes with three high quality blades and their foaming shave gel or shaving cream. Uh, it's already wrapped for my fellow lazy wrappers, which is always nice. And shipping is always free. Uh, now, a few months ago, we all received kits from Harry's and uh, we had the opportunity to test them out ourselves and I know we were all pretty impressed with the overall quality. Super high quality razors right to our door. The subscription system is fantastic Uh, and the whole set really just looks incredibly classy Uh, and the funny thing is it costs about half as much as competitors like Gillette Fusion. Um, So we've had some time with these things now Uh, and and again, you guys know I don't shave all that much but the few times that I have in the last few months have been with these kits and Shannon, I think you probably get the most use out of this so give us a, an update on how things have been going
0: well that's the the key is you know well it worked great for the first couple of days well we're talking like multiple months now mm-hmm. that i've been using it and like it's lovely it's beautiful I love no it. i mean usually if you switch things up i could end up with like shaver razor rash and stuff like that mm-hmm. not at all not at all great. it's awesome so, Very good. I like it a lot.
2: Very good. And and Matt, what what's your I I, I don't even know that you shave anything. I mean that that beard <laughs> yes. of yours is something to behold.
3: No, I I still do shave. <laughs> I have got to shave slightly to keep the hair from coming up into my eyeballs because it has been known to like start growing in that direction if I <laughs> in let your it. your ears, right? Yeah, oh, well, I let my stylist take care of the ear issue. <laughs> nice. But I also clean up underneath the neck so that I don't have suddenly the blending of the beard into the chest hair. I don't really enjoy that part. But you, uh, but
0: you manscape that, don't you? Well, with the, with Harry's razors, I
3: do. I just kind yeah. of get in there and take <laughs> care of it right off, and it does a fantastic job. And of course, theme. my favorite part is the after sh- or the the shaving lotion and the the shaving uh, cream because mm-hmm. it always smells really nice. And Samantha just likes to get up in there, and I'm, I like letting her. She likes to nuzzle up. Gotta love that. I
2: just shaved. Well, I will most likely be shaving for a holiday picture this year, and you can bet (laughs) that I'm going to be using my Harry's razor and uh, various paraphernalia to shave my face down, which is always an event. Uh, so just want to let you know about a special holiday offer. Harry's is gifting all the fans of Wood Talk $5 off of that limited edition Winter Winston set. And it's pretty cool. You got to go to the website and check it out. Uh, so even those of you who are already loyal Harry's customers, you'll be able to get 5 bucks off that Winter Winston set. Just use that code WoodTalkHoliday. At checkout, you'll get the razor, three quality blades, a tube of their foaming shave gel or shave cream, whatever you want, and free shipping for just 25 bucks. And here's the thing. We're getting this out on the 8th, late on the 8th. You have the 9th and I believe the 10th. December 10th is when this offer expires, so you do not want to wait on this. Go to harrys.com and use that code WOODTALKHOLIDAY at checkout. And that's all one word, WoodTalkHoliday at checkout. Thank you very much, Harry's for sponsoring the show. We appreciate it. And thank you for keeping Shannon looking spelt. Oh man, I you look awesome. Look, you know, I'm going to say
3: this is one of the only times I'm going to recommend people stop listening to the show so they can take care of that right now.
2: Yeah. Punch in that code. I mean, think about it, especially for the hard to buy people. This is one of those things. Just try to get them like the subscription. I mean, it's not really that much. If it's someone you really
0: like a lot, you have to like them. Uh, it's it's like, like the jam of the month
2: club. <laughs> it kind of is sharper. The jelly of the month club, the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, but seriously, great gift. And that's that you know, we're doing that all f- pretty much for everybody this year. It's all about these sort of um to your door subscription services for just high quality things like uh like the razors, but there's a lot of other things out there too um that is turning into great holiday gifts this year. Heck yes. All right, let's move into our email. I'll go first. I got one here from Steve. He says, I have a set of Veritas tapered snug plug cutters. The idea of using a tapered plug and trimming with a flush cut saw makes a great fit, for a great fit, but I'm having difficulty getting the grain to line up. I take the time to cut the plugs from an area of scrap where the grain will match, but when glued, excuse me, when gluing the plug in place, I always seem to be a bit off and it's a real eyesore. I think the glue swells the plug just a bit too, uh, making small adjustments, rotating the plug in the hole uh, is difficult to impossible. Uh, maybe I'd just be better off using epoxy instead of glue for this any tips, tricks, or hints would be most welcome righty well, first of all, you know sometimes I think setting your expectations is probably one of the first place, one of the first things you want to do here because ultimately you're taking a round hole and you're shoving something in it, and <laughs> the uh he settle down guys. Come on. T- uh, sorry,
3: I thought you were talking <laughs> about fluid. <laughs>
2: So uh, you, So when you think about when you're patching things, right, anything that goes with the grain has a real good chance of being pretty well hidden because the seam is going with the grain. So when you're talking about a circle, there's only a portion of that circle that goes with the grain. You will ultimately always have some level of a visible seam as it goes around, especially the portions that are cross-grain. So what you really need to do is focus on glues that dry at uh, an appropriate color tone. So, if you're working with maple, for instance, and you just use maybe Type On 3, which kind of has that sort of dull grayish look to it, that may not be the best choice. You may want to go with a lighter color. I think like Type On 1 tends to dry a little bit lighter. Uh, Or, likewise, if you're using walnut or something like that, you may want to use one of the darker glues. There are glues that are intended for dark woods that will give you a little bit better of a match there. Certainly, epoxy is an option. The fact that it swells, I don't think that's, that's never really posed a major problem for me. Um, But ultimately, when you are patching a hole, I don't really have super high expectations for how well that patch is going to look. The face grain patch with a a tapered plug cutter is going to be 10 times better than if you just took a little piece of dowel stock and glued that in there and then cut it off. So you're already ahead of the game because you're sort of uh, uh, pushing, the tapered effect is pushing out to the edges, giving you a nice tight fit. But I think if you just used um, the appropriate glue that would work better color wise, I think you'll be fine or at least as good as you're gonna get. In that situation and aligning the grain. I mean, you just try to get it as close as you can and tap that sucker in there. Um, So do you guys know of any other things that I might be missing here or am I misreading what he's saying it to to me? It just sounds like you might be expecting too much in terms of a, a perfect flawless kind of repair. Yeah, like that. I
0: think there's also the time thing. It will blend in more over time mm-hmm. right. as the wood changes color and it, it darkens and it mellows out with those chemical changes. I think it'll be much less apparent. But, you know, take it from like the king of OCD woodworkers, the Green Brothers. <laughs> they obviously knew they couldn't get it to match. So they said, stick an ebony in there. And, you know, <laughs> what am I going to do if, with if it's this? it's not going to match, we're going to make sure it <laughs> definitely doesn't match. And we're going to come up with these little square plugs with pillowed yep. edges so, you know, there is that.
2: I, yeah, I, I choose to believe they accidentally got a shipment, like a whole pallet of <laughs> ebony. And they're like, what are we going to do with this ebony? And then one of the Green Brothers goes, aha, and they got it. And that was it.
3: No, I, I think what it is, is their OCD, much like uh, Mark, yours, and, and was it Jason? That yes. uh, what problem, the problem was when they were putting it together, they didn't notice that there was a small pin knot. And they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, got to make that match <laughs> on the other side. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Dude, ebony. Perfect. I just like it that the Green Brothers have now become Mel Brooks, and let's be telling. Aha!
2: I just don't know. Sometimes when I do a really stupid and obscure movie reference, if people know what I'm doing, <laughs>
0: oh, well, that was Coming to America, I believe.
2: Yeah. you said, oh, you said Mel Brooks. Never mind. We're on different yeah, movies. Sorry, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, Coming <laughs> to America. Uh-huh. Aha!
3: <laughs> no, I taste the I, soup. I, th- I think with with this one, there is a little bit of an expectation thing with, with those plugs. Because I remember wrestling with this before, and. I don't know it's it's one of those things that you'll be amazed at what nobody else notices
2: yeah and that's the thing that's that's our job is to be over you know, sort of over-analyze our projects and go over them with a fine tooth comb so that normal people won't even see the things we can still see when it's all said and done.
3: That's right. And the, the most important lesson is never point out to your significant other your mistakes because they will always point them out to you and everybody else.
2: Yes. And uh, in fact, you do it enough, then they become trained and you don't even have to point them out anymore because they'll be able to find them and that always sucks.
3: Yes. Yes. All right, Absolutely. Matt, you're up. All right. Well, this question came in from Nick and Nick says, I'm currently finishing up a project, a step stool for my two year old daughter. A discussion from one of the recent episodes got me to thinking because Matt mentioned that he made some sort of stool for his mother-in-law that was so smooth in the top that it landed her in the ED. Um, Actually, it was my mother. So that makes it 10 times worse. The top of my stool is hardwood with an inlay and the temptation is to plane and sand it to a high gloss. Obviously, this would not be a smart idea unless I wanted a head injury for my toddler. Is there a textured finish I could use without obscuring all the work I've done on the top with the wedge through tenons and marquetry inlay? Add the silica sand to uh, the shellac, perhaps. So, first of all, Nick, yes, I think if you did add some some sort of like fine silica or something in there, it would. It's something that you could potentially do, but I, to me, this is one of those things that really when it comes down to it, there are just some projects that if you know that they're going to be used in a certain way, um, I I would just anticipate maybe not worrying so much about what the final finish is going to be on it. Uh, This is much reminds me a lot of the butcher block uh, or the cutting board question that we had last week. Mm. Um, It's one of those things that I think As woodworkers, of course, we we make these beautiful projects. We want them to look absolutely amazing. And we go to um, just the the most unbelievable lengths to make sure that they always look gorgeous. But in this situation, this is one of those things where I think I I would be happy to kind of dial it back a little bit with the finish. Maybe I don't know, not even put a finish on it if necessary, because it's going to maybe see a lot of use and I'm also going to point out the fact that regardless of what finish you put on there, if it gets used really, really frequently, what tends to happen with any furniture that gets used quite frequently, like say chairs where you've got like a nice arm on it and people are constantly touching it and rubbing it, or or maybe you don't have a cushion on the seat and you sit down on it, uh, regardless of what you do to the finish, it potentially is going to get slicker and slicker from constantly being rubbed on. It's more or less like constantly having a polish kind of put on there. It just takes on a real smooth surface. So uh, I, I other than maybe adding a little silica to the finish, I don't know what else I can recommend or if you guys have some ideas of something to help with, with the surface. Uh, I think in my response originally to Nick, I, I might actually tend to, rather than taking it to the high polish with the finishing process, I often kind of stop a little bit lower in my grits and leave it a little bit, for the lack of a description, a little rough, but even again, once, once that whole thing starts getting used, people stepping up on it, mm-hmm. sitting on it, whatever they're going to do with it, you know, that's all going to get rubbed down anyway. So it will become smooth regardless. Yeah.
2: yeah I actually just finished the video will be coming out tomorrow. Uh, this thing I'm calling the kitchen helper and it's essentially a kid's step stool for the kitchen and I kind of thought about what I wanted to do with the finish for that reason, and what I landed on was just a simple Danish oil, and it actually was Teak oil, because I happened to have it. It's kind of an outdoor formulation of a Danish oil, but it's an oil varnish blend, super easy to apply, and I only put on two coats. Now, that's not a real protective finish, but what it does is it makes it look finished, gives the appearance of a finished piece with a nice, really a matte finish to it, and you still have a lot of wood texture, in there, and I didn't do a whole lot of sanding or buffing after the fact, just a little bit to knock down any really nasty stuff. Uh, but especially the platform that's going to be st- uh, stood upon, that actually is pretty grippy, you know, just with a couple coats of Danish oil. And the last grit I sanded the wood with was uh, 220. So it's actually in good shape and my son gets on there with his socks and I've stepped on it with my socks just to test it out and it's not nearly what you would be dealing with if you had you know, a couple layers of poly on there and a nice glossy finish. Um, so that, to me, that would be my recommendation but it is a, a bit of a compromise because sometimes you want that glossy sort of look to it and you, you don't necessarily want a matte dull surface uh, but for the sake of safety, it's worth it.
3: Do you think, though, that after some time of of Mateo jumping up there and using it quite frequently, you know what I'm I'm saying, like how it gets used quite a bit and then therefore that constant use is going to kind of wear down the Finish and make it maybe just a little bit smoother, like from constantly being. I would imagine it would, right?
2: It's yeah, kind of buffing sure. it with natural oils. I mean, it's, it's the just, same
0: thing you're doing when you rub out the finish, right? You're yeah, right, yeah, that, that's what I'm and polishing
2: it, it again. It gets that sort of patina that that you know, those old oil and wax finishes kind of get over the years. Um, right. but this one, you know, the thing is, depending on the use for mine, it's in the kitchen, so it's going to get cleaned a lot too, because there's going to constantly be you know. Uh, flour and sugar and all, whatever the heck he's messing with in there is gonna fall down onto
3: this thing. So, well, maybe uh, that's what you do is just before he gets up, you would be like to throw some uh, flour down on it and be like, there you go, stand there, you're all good. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> <laughs> pre-flour it for him. Well, this is this is one of those things that one thing I was thinking is I totally get why you know Nick really wants to make sure that this looks absolutely gorgeous. I mean, if when I'm making anything for either one of my kids or eh, to some degree, I don't tell them this much, but the rest of the family, I like the things to actually look really nice. But in, in, there are some situations where depending on what I'm building, I might avoid putting like the really super beautiful visual joinery or the marquetry uh, in certain areas simply because of the fact that I know they're going to kind of get worn down a little bit or they're going to get beaten up. So I might try to use it in, in less trafficky areas of the of the piece. Mm
0: hmm. Or you cool. leave those areas free of marquetry or embellishment so that you've got space to put that adhesive grip tape right on top of it. <laughs> That'll look yeah, good. Yeah, maybe maybe there's a way to put like a protective layer down, put the grippy
3: on top of that. And then when, when she's old enough, then you could take that off and be like, look what was underneath. I've remade this for you. <laughs> there you go. Nice. I like that.
0: All right. This uh, email comes from Jeremy. He says, I am making a huge harvest style table made from eight quarter vertical grain Douglas fir. This is the first time that I'm making a table without an apron. The top is made of seven six inch boards glued up. I'm using four battens underneath the slab to keep things in line and give extra support to the legs, which are in an X brace. Do you think four battens with five screws each would be enough? So far, this thing has been pretty stable and I don't see cupping much at all, if any. Second question, how would you elongate the holes in the battens? I was planning on using some two-and-a-half-inch panhead screws, maybe with a washer for extra support, but I'm not sure the best way to elongate the holes. There is still about an inch of wood to be drilled through, and I don't feel that wiggling a drill bit is going to be enough. So um, what he's concerned about there is the wood movement of the top. As the top expands and contracts across those battens. If he just does a you know a single hole, it's going to lock that in place and prevent any movement. So um, regarding whether or not the battens are enough, we're talking about vertical grain Douglas fir, which vertical grain is another word for quarter sawn, which means it's not going to move very much at all across the width of the table. It's going to move across the thickness of the table. So I think you've already got a very stable piece there. So y- yeah, those battens will be plenty strong. In fact, you could probably get away with less, um, but you know, might as well over engineer, right? So if you're already planning on doing four battens, totally fine. Don't don't think you need to worry about that at all. As far as elongating the holes, um, I promise guys, this isn't me. I didn't write this in because this is the exact same table that I just built this summer up in Son Maine.
2: Son
3: of a... I knew yeah, it was you. Uh-huh.
0: I, I had to double check and make sure that I didn't write this in. Hey like
3: guys, had, how do I do this? So, same old story. Hi, my name's stuff. not Shannon, I
0: swear. <laughs> <laughs> so I just did this, right? And essentially, it's just the same as creating a mortise. Rather than, I, I thought the same thing. You know, you could wiggle the drill bit and create that kind of somewhat football-shaped hole. I just ended up chopping out a mortise. And the mortise is, uh, in each instance, it was like a, a almost three quarters of an inch long. And it was just wide enough to accommodate the shank of the screw. I also use head screws. So that pan head just comes right up flush against the bottom and the shank slides in and it allows it to slide back and forth way more motion than, um, than I need to, but it's held tight to those battens by the screw itself. And it's allowed to move back and forth, um, very, very freely. But, you know, I went Quite large, uh, just because this is at a seaside home, and who knows what kind of fluctuations it's going to have. So, just treat it like you would have through mortise. Um, you can drill through, and heck, you don't even have to like square up the ends. Just keep it, you know, round on the ends. It's Perfectly mm-hmm. fine.
3: Nice. Yeah. Well, I, I just threw a link in there. We can always remove this if you decide this doesn't really fit in there. But uh, you know, there is a counter bore screw slot bit that's available from Whiteside, and I did a uh, rather bit of the month. Uh, back in February of 2009, featuring that router. It just took router. back. That, that such nostalgia Seriously? for that router oh, man. of the
2: month. 2009 is back. Yes.
3: yes. Yeah. It's so 2009.
0: <laughs> you know. You know what, Matt? That's a good point because it. I didn't. I omitted that. I did counterbore it so that the pan head was below the surface. Um, so there's like a what an eighth of an inch counter bore um, on that, and that's a good idea, just because the even though you're not going to see it it's just i don't know it's kind of a finishing touch to have the the head and the pan head slightly below the surface as well right so this this router bit this counterbore bit is good for that
3: well and even if you don't use the router bit just the idea like you're describing there just that, that that's you know at least gives you a notion of maybe something you could do with it
2: you know what yeah. i would do i would get a Forstner bit and i make my counterbores nice shallow thing just shallow enough for the pan head then i'd get my main bit the shank
3: diameter and i would shove that thing in there and i would wiggle it back and forth a couple times and say that's good enough but more importantly though are the router bits from the same manufacturer and do they line up with each other properly
0: (laughs) you've (laughs) been talking to jason mark you're right i mean we're talking about quarter for for that top
3: for that top that's all that's
2: all
0: that needs just give those screws just a little wiggle room He's got a huge harvest-style table, so it's probably 40 inches, maybe, probably not too much more than 40 inches across. Douglas fir, uh, offhand, it's probably 2% in a vertical grain material, 2% movement. So Yeah, it's going to be slight. 2% Two percent yeah. of forty inches,
2: and even just even just wiggling a bit like that. If you turn it upside down, put the put the screw through after you do that little wiggle action, and grab the tip of the screw, move it back and forth, and actually measure the distance of that movement. You'd be surprised how much you're going to get. I mean, each one is probably going to give you a good quarter inch. Uh, a, I think that's play. the basis
0: of the domino, isn't it? <laughs> a
2: Wiggly bit, a, a little wiggly bit. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what I would do. I don't think if, for if it weren't quarter sawn, I don't I don't think it'd be the same story, but. Either way. All right. Let's Let's uh, let's move on. I think that's the last question, isn't it? It would be. It would be. Yes. All right. It would be. Well, if you want to support what we do here at Wood Talk, we like that. We like when you support us.
3: I don't know why you'd want to do that.
2: You might want to. Uh, you can set up a recor- a recurring, not recurring, recurring donation at woodtalkshow.com. Look on that left-hand side for those donation links. And you can also get a Wood Talk t-shirt at twwstore.com makes a great gift for Christmas and uh, also you could leave us an iTunes review head to the iTunes store look us up and click on ratings and reviews and give us that five star rating
3: or four nothing under four please and uh, Matt how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here All right, folks do you have a comment a question or a topic suggestion or do you have tools that you also have to have in perfect alignment and matchy matchy at all times we'd love to hear about that there's several different ways to contact us leave us a voicemail on Skype Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're ever looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com.
2: Excellent. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next
0: time. Yep. See See you guys. Bye-bye.
1: The frog pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio programs so good, it's like you're there.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars